Thanks for joining us today on the LaunchPoint Church Podcast. We believe the Bible is the written Word of God, without error and useful for every part of our daily lives. We believe that through learning and teaching of the Word, others might come to know God, find freedom, discover their purpose, and make a difference. For more information about our ministry, you can find us on Facebook and YouTube, as well as visit our website at www.launchpoint.church. Thanks again for joining us and enjoy the message. Well, listen, tonight we're going to continue with our, our study in Colossians. Uh, um, you know, Colossians 3 is a, is a tremendous chapter. Uh, you know, Paul is making a point here that we've, that we've taken off the old clothes of the old nature and we, we've put on the new clothes of the new nature. And people should be able to tell by our behavior that there's something different and that we follow Jesus. Uh, you know, Paul begins with the, with the fact that since we've, we, we have died with Christ, we've, we've been raised with Christ, we're hidden in Christ, and we will appear with Him in glory someday. So we should set our hearts and affections, our, our minds and our will on things above. You know, Paul makes it clear here that this is about the new creation, the body of Christ. You know, Jesus is the head, and in him we are all, we are all the body. Verse 11 tells us that in Christ there is no distinction between Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, and free man, but Christ is all and is in all. He then tells the Colossians, and, he, and he's telling you and I as well, how to live out this, this newfound unity corporately in the church by, by putting on compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, uh, patience, and love. And he calls us to let the peace of Christ rule in our hearts and the word of Christ dwell in us richly. He encourages the church to, to teach and admonish each other by worshiping God with thanksgiving. And then he ends this section with, with really one of my favorite uh, verses in the Bible. It's uh, verse 17 there. And whatever you do, whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. You know, this emphasizes again that, that Paul isn't interested in, in really having us follow a bunch of rules. He's given us a, he's given us a principle here to live by. When, whenever we're confused about whether we could or should do something, uh, we can simply ask, can I, can I do this in the name of the Lord Jesus? Paul was focused on how God grows us individually and how God grows us corporately as his church. And now he's about to turn to giving instructions on how to live this, how to live this out in our families and in our home. So if you've got your Bibles, turn with me to, to verse 18 of Colossians 3. It says, Wives, be subject to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be embittered against them. Children, be obedient to your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing to the Lord. 
Fathers, do not exacerbate your children so that they will not lose heart. Slaves in all things, obey those who are your masters on earth, not with external service as those who merely please men, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. Whatever you do, do your work heartily as to the Lord, rather than for men, knowing that from the Lord you'll receive the reward of the inheritance. It is the Lord Christ whom you serve. For he who does wrong will receive the consequences of the wrong which he's done, and that without partiality. Masters, grant to your slaves justice and fairness, knowing that you too have a master in heaven. You know, the, the Christian home was seen as a foundational part of a well-ordered Greco-Roman society. Uh, you know, many philosophers and, and scholars of ancient times had, had proposed household codes or, or rules uh, that, that helped the home run smoother. And Paul follows suit here. Uh, but the instructions he gives are very different from that of these philosophers and scholars. He gives distinctly Christian directives for three pairs of relationships, wives and husbands, parents and children, slaves and masters. And the main theme of, this ver of these verses is the lordship of Christ. And as we, live, as we live under the lordship of Christ, our relationships are transformed. And when they're transformed, others should be able to to see that difference in us. Um, you know, let's look back at verse 18. It says, wives be subject, and some, some versions will say, uh, submit to, be subject to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Now keep in mind that this letter to the, to the church at Colossae was read publicly. So I'm sure when, when that sentence was read, a lot of men were amen in, don't you? <laughs> you know, in that, in that culture, in the culture of Paul's day, most of the women were illiterate and, and depended on men for survival. The man was the only person in the, in the family that had legal rights, and, and he had absolute authority over his family. A man's wife and children were were really just simply viewed as possessions. Uh, and it's important to understand what Paul is saying here and what he's not saying. First, for the wife, this submissing, this submitting is a voluntary action. Not because the husband deserves it, not because he demands it, but because that's the God-appointed order for a marriage. Paul says in Ephesians 5, beginning with verse 22, that marriage is really a, a word picture of, of Christ and the church. He's, he, Paul writes there, Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. For the husband is head of the wife as Christ is head of the church. Now notice again that Paul does not command wives to obey their husbands. He made it clear that, that women and men are, are equal in the Lord and that both are, are fellow heirs to, to the promise of salvation. That's why he adds at the, at the end of that sentence, as fitting to the Lord. 
you, a woman submits as fitting to the Lord. That doesn't mean that the wife is a doormat. Doesn't mean that the that she submits to all men, just her husband. If the husband wants her to do something that's illegal or immoral, she, she has every right to say no. Uh, if the husband's abusive, uh, uh, and, and you know she's she doesn't have to endure that. Um, she doesn't have to just deal with it. You know, if that if that's the case, she calls in the leaders of the church, and and will and she gets and they, they help her get to a place of safety. You know, to submit means to to trust your husband as the leader of your church, of the leader of your home. Don't usurp his leadership, but follow his leadership. Now, I know some of you ladies may say, well, well you don't know my husband. He, he not, he's not the sharpest knife in the drawer. But that, that doesn't matter. You're still called to follow his leadership. You know, respect his leadership because your children are watching you as you interact with your husband. And you might ask, what, what if your husband's a, an unbeliever? Uh, you know, uh, Peter addresses that in 1 Peter 3, verses 1 and 2. Wives, in the same way, submit yourself to your own husbands, so that if any of them do not believe the word, they may be won over without words by the behavior of their wives when they see the purity and reverence of your lives. You know, so far, everyone in the church would have been okay with, with Paul's words, but he's about to change all that. Look at verse 19. Husbands, love your wives and do not be embittered against them. You know, it, in that culture, marriage was, was not about love. It was most often about family allegiances and, and uh, having legitimate heirs. You know, this, this command is not found in, in any of the ancient household codes outside the Bible. Yes, women are called to, to voluntarily submit to their husbands, but guys, we're called to be the, the kind of men that they, they want to submit to. Um, and that begins with love. The word Paul uses here is, is agape, a, a self-giving, sacrificial love that's modeled after Jesus himself. You know, in, in Ephesians 5, uh, beginning with verse 25, he uses this same word to describe a husband's love for his wife and Christ's love for the church. And, and Paul writes there, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. You know, I ran across a quote from a, from an old Puritan pastor named, named Matthew Henry. He's also written Bible commentaries, but, but he wrote this statement about the relationship of a wife to her husband. And I, I know many of you are probably familiar with this, but, but uh, Henry wrote, the woman was made of a rib out of the side of Adam, not made out of his head to rule over him. 
not out of his feet to be trampled upon by him, but out of his side to be equal with him, under his arm to be protected, and near his heart to be beloved. You know, I think that's a, that's a beautiful statement. Uh, you know, Peter also wrote to husbands that, that a lack of this kind of love, the kind of love, this agape kind of love that Paul is talking about here, that, that a lack of that kind of love can actually block our prayers. He writes in 1 Peter 3, 7, you husbands in the same way live with your wives in an understanding way, as with someone weaker since she is a woman. Show her honor as a fellow heir of the grace of life so that your prayers will not be hindered. Men, we need to do that with, that takes time and attention. Uh, and we need to lead with gentleness. And Paul adds, and do not be embittered against them. Now, embittered means angry or harsh. And, um, you know, we're to love our wives with, with an attitude of compassion, kindness, gentleness, humility, patience, uh, encouragement, and love. And those are beautiful words, but I, I tell you, that sometimes it's hard, isn't it? Uh, if we're not diligent, you know, I don't think any of us ever really get it right. But we, ha we keep trying. Um, we're to, if, if, we can't, if we can't love the ones that are closest to us, you know, what chance do we have of showing the love of Christ to someone else? You know, this whole idea was, was revolutionary and radical in Paul's day. And, and sadly, it's, it's kind of radical in our society today, isn't it? Um, and I wish we could spend more time just on, on those verses, but I need to move on. Uh, now look at verse 20. Parents, teach your children well. Verse 20 says, Children, be obedient to your parents in all things for this is well-pleasing to the Lord. You know, children, again, were considered as, as property and not people, as hard as that is to imagine, but in that culture, that was the case. And here, Paul addresses them as morally responsible human beings, capable of, of making choices. And again, this was a, this was revolutionary, a revolutionary idea uh, in Paul's day. Notice that, that Paul assumes that there will be parents, plural, a mom and a dad. You know, and no matter how much our culture tries to say that the, the nuclear family is detrimental to society, uh, you know, research continually shows that that's not the case, that, that children thrive uh, in, a, in a home with, where a mom and dad are both present. You know, Paul writes that, that their obedience pleases the Lord. Um, and and we, we see that in, in Ephesians 6, 1 through 3. And it says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your, mo your mother and father, which is the first commandment, with a promise, so that it may go well with you, 
and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. You know, the, the in all things there obviously has some exceptions. You know, children are, are not required to obey their parents if they're being asked to do something illegal or immoral. And I think that's a, an important exception there for us to note. You know, children must, must learn to obey their parents because if they don't, they'll always have trouble uh, obeying other authority figures in their life as they grow up. Now look at uh, verse 21. Fathers do not exacerbate your children so that they will not lose heart. And that, that word exacerbates, one we don't use a whole lot, but uh, it, it means uh, be embittered or angry against them. You know, um, and that so they will not lose heart means that so they won't be discouraged. You know, you'd be surprised, uh, moms and dads, how, how easily we can discourage our children. You know, especially when we're, when we're not really spending time with them, when we, when we give them short answers to questions and, and, you know, when we don't honor the fact that they may have something to share with us. Um, you know, in a Roman household, and this is interesting, that the father could discipline their children any way he wanted to, and that even included killing them. Um, you know, in Ephesians 6, 4, Paul make it, makes it clear that fathers are, are to discipline their children, but also to disciple them in love. And he, he writes this, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. You know, as fathers, we're to disciple our children. And again, that's, that's one of those things we, we often miss. You know, I, I, well, I don't have time to get into that, but it's a lot of us could probably look back with regrets on that. You know, had, had wishing we had discipled our children better. And you know, in order to disciple and teach them, we have to spend time with them. You know, one of the best ways we can encourage our children is to love our spouses for the long haul because, because our children are always watching us. You know, whether you're aware of that or not, they are. And, and men, uh, your sons are going to treat their wives the way they see you treating yours. Now let's move on to, to verse 22. And here Paul addresses, uh, begins to address slaves and servants. Says, slaves in all things obey those who are your masters on earth, not with external service as those who merely please men, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. Are you catching all these things in these verses? Uh, verse 18, as fitting to the Lord. Uh, verse 20, well pleasing to the Lord. And here in verse 22, fearing the Lord. Um, you know, if a, a, a Christian servant owed complete obedience to his masters, but he owed that as a ministry to the Lord. If a Christian servant had, had a believing master, uh, that that servant was not to take advantage of him. Uh, 
just because they were brothers in the Lord. Rather, the servant should strive to do a better job because he was a Christian. He should show singleness of heart and, and give his full de devotion to the master. You know, his work was to be done heartily, not grudgingly, as was to be done as to the Lord and not men. You know, in our society, we don't have, we don't have slaves, uh, at least not in our country. Uh, well, I take that back. Uh, we do have women that have been enslaved in the sex trade, children who have been enslaved in, in, uh, in terrible circumstances. And yet we, we seem to try to block those things out, don't we? They're, they're going on all over the country. Uh, they're coming across our border. Uh, and, and we're just sitting back and allowing that. Uh, uh, that that's another conversation there. Um, you know, like I said, in our society we don't have slaves, but... But these principles apply to any kind of honest employment. You know, a Christian worker should be the, should be the best worker on the job uh, because he's, he's serving Christ and not the boss. And Paul goes on to, to kind of summarize uh, that thought there in, in verses 23 through 25 where he says, whatever you do, do your work heartily as for the Lord rather than for men. Knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance. It is the Lord Christ whom you serve. For he who does wrong will receive the consequences of the wrong which he's done, and that without partiality. So again, that, that thought, uh, and, and that really links back to verse 17. You know, whatever you do, do do as unto the Lord. And it says whatever. You know, that's that's on your job, uh, uh, in your family, uh, out hunting or fishing or whatever it is. You know, be aware that that you're serving God. Um, and again, I know that's that's difficult for some of us. You know, Paul concludes this section in, in chapter 4, verse 1. And he says, Masters, grant to your slaves justice and fairness, knowing that you have a master in heaven. You know, just as the husband and wives uh, and the parents and children have mutual and, and reciprocal responsibilities, so do masters and slaves. And Paul admonishes the Christian masters to treat their servants with fairness and honesty. And, and again, this would, would have been a revolutionary idea in Paul's day uh, for Roman masters because they considered their, their servants as, as things and not people. You know, masters had total control over their slaves and, and could do whatever they pleased with them. And very few Roman masters ever thought about treating their slaves with fairness, because in their eyes, the slaves deserve nothing. You know, Paul is saying to Christian masters that they should treat their slaves like a person, like a brother in Christ. 
You know, after all, the Christian slave was now a free man in the Lord, and the master was a slave to Christ. You know, in the same way, all of our, all of our social and, and physical relationships have to always be governed by our spiritual relationships. You know, as, as we viewed this, this is a very practical, practical section of Scripture here. Um, but it shows us once again the preeminence of Christ in the Christian's life. You know, Christ must be the head of the home and the head of all relationships. You know, the teachings in this passage uh, that we've covered tonight are actually very practical, just as uh, a practical application of Colossians 3.17. Whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord, Jesus giving thanks through him to God the Father. You know, that's a, that's a verse to live by right there. You know, the fullness of the Spirit and the fullness of the Word are needed desperately in the home today. Amen. If family members are controlled by the Spirit of God and, it, and, and the Word of God, they'll have little trouble, you know, being joyful and thankful and even submissive. And they'll have little trouble getting along with one another. So in closing, uh, let me ask you tonight, can you, can the people in your circle, I just want to, and I, I'm asking this to myself as well, can the people in your circle, in your family, in your workplace, uh, detect that you're filled with the Spirit and filled with the Word? You know, if they can't, we, we've got work to do. Amen?